All right, I'm Paul DeGarabedian with my Many Screens Big Picture podcast for Comscore. And today I'm honored to be speaking with Sean O'Connell, Managing Director of Cinema Blend. He's a professed movie junkie. He's infatuated with comic book films. He's a Real Blend co-host, resident dad, extroverted introvert. And I love this, and apropos to our discussion, wants to see the Snyder Cut. I'm <laughs> guessing you've seen it. So Sean O'Connell, Managing Director at Cinema Blend, welcome to the podcast. I have to update that bio. That's right. I think you do. Now I've seen it <laughs> several times. I caught you. <laughs> so let's talk about the Snyder Cut. I mean, I've, I'm still getting through it. It's what, 23 hours long or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's so cool that, you know, very rarely do filmmakers get a second bite of the apple meaning you get kind of a do over and to get, and I think the beauty, even though I'm the big screen guy, I love the movie theater. That's my number one, the unlimited bandwidth of HBO max or a streaming platform in general would dictate, I guess the, if, if, if the cut is four hours, that's it. We, they have the room to put it up there. Uh, they have the virtual bandwidth. So why not? So what are your impressions of the run up to this? And after uh, I assume having seen it, what are your thoughts and any other uh, parts of this you'd like to get into with regard to the Snyder Cut? It's a really unprecedented situation. Yeah, and you're right. We wouldn't be having this conversation if the streaming services didn't exist, especially with the way the COVID has messed up the theatrical distribution. And there are so many films that are just waiting for their chance to screen, you know, and have been delayed for up to a year and a half now at this point. That if you were trying to get a four hour version of a film in theaters, you know, it, it would be years. Yeah. So, and in fact, in the run-up to, to this getting released, there was a lot of conversation about should it be uh, distributed on a weekly basis. There are chapter stops throughout it. And you can make the argument that the way that Disney and Marvel are handling the, the most recent shows, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, with weekly episodes, that that keeps them in the conversation a lot longer, too. It generates hype. You know where everybody is in the story. Like, I don't want to talk to you about specifics about Snyder Cut because I don't know where you are in the movie. You, right. know? you might have only watched the first two hours and you had a long way to go. But all things said, it is a best case scenario for a movie like this because there were so many factors playing against it in terms of the industry saying to Zach and saying to his fans, like, there's just no way for us to put this out there. That when something like HBO Max comes around and these streaming services all desperately need original content that you can only get exclusively through them, that it made all the sense in the world for Warner Brothers and HBO Max to come up with a solution to put this movie on that streaming service. So I haven't seen numbers in terms of the number of subscribers that they've lured because of this, but that will be the win for HBO Max. You know, the, the awareness that they've generated through different advertising campaigns and, and letting people know that this is here, but then the number of people who subscribe and then play around with the service and see if it works for them, see if they like the other content that's there. I've been saying forever that people never opt out of a subscription, that they opt in and then they set it and forget it and never come back. So, and some people do, you know, times uh, can be financially tough, especially during COVID. People may go and look at their subscriptions, but generally if you get that hook in somebody, and I feel the hook is not the platform, but the content that's on whatever platform it is. The minute a certain show or a certain showrunner director or something like the Snyder cut appears on a service that may be where the light bulb goes off for me as a consumer and for many others to opt in. But I want to go back to 
what you were saying about how this never would have happened without streaming, because I think you're absolutely right. I don't know that there's been a four hour movie in theaters in years, if ever, that didn't at least have back when I saw movies way back in the day, there'd be an intermission and that kind of thing, which is a very quaint thing. But I think you're absolutely right. Maybe this you know, the opportunities for filmmakers that have come out of the streaming services, even though I, I think I read a, I, I know I read a story on Cinema Blend about there may be some plans for a theatrical release of the Snyder Cut, which I think would be really cool. Can you expand on that a little? What, it, what would it mean then now to have a theatrical version? What would that look like? How would that manifest itself, I think, in, in the real world? Well, the thing is, it's it's so interesting. You just brought up a couple of really interesting points. I think the longest film I've seen in a theater, I could be wrong on this, but the one that I jumped to is is Titanic. I feel like Titanic is an extremely long film. So that's the product of a director who is a brand in and of itself, right? James Cameron's a brand. And we don't have a lot of filmmakers nowadays who are brands who can even make an argument that they deserve a four-hour cut of a movie, right? So I understand why those longer cuts have gone by the wayside. What Zach is able to do with this movie, I do believe that if we were in normal times and this wasn't COVID and he would be pushing for some way to do like a road show of some sorts where he brought the cut around to maybe theaters in cities that are one-off theaters that have a screen, not a multiplex necessarily, but he'd come and make it a sponsored show. Kevin Smith did something very similar with his Jay and Silent Bob reboot, you know, where he and Jason Mewes went around, they played the movie to their fans. He knew the audience was packed with people who were just coming to see that movie. And then he did a Q&A after the fact with it. And I could see Zach absolutely doing that. Zach instead is going to be doing, I know, these um, charity-based theatrical screenings that he's going to do in certain markets because the Snyder Cut movement in general is is very closely related to the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And they've raised a ton of funds for AFSP. And I know that they're going to do these screenings where he's going to show, and I believe he's going to show the black and white version of the Snyder Cut, which he calls Justice is Gray. And that's available on HBO Max now, right? Uh, uh, at the same time, you can go watch that version. So his fans will come and watch it. And, and, and I know that this, like, first off, I know this community is super passionate. And I know that, like, watching it with them is going to be such a rush. It'll be that return to the event picture uh, that we haven't had in a really long time. And then because now he has Man of Steel, Batman, Superman, and, and Justice League as his trilogy, uh, he would like to set up an event in California where it's like a long weekend type thing where he programs it out. And I could see him doing that for years to come, you know, so that it does have the ability to play on the big screen uh, at different times so he can reward his fan base and let them see it big. It's reminiscent for me of the music world where I own like four different versions of an album. Yeah. You know, the 45 RPM two disc LP version with the book and then the other version with, you know, with remixes or outtakes and the doors have famously, or at least their estate have come out with all, all these different versions of the songs. You can hear the in-studio chatter. This is the <laughs> stuff that fans really get off on. Of course. Yeah, of course. To see a movie, like I remember Mad Max Fury Road, one of my favorite films, saw it in a theater, had much more of an impact in a movie theater. But then I watched it at home in the Chrome version, the black and white. Yeah. And I was just as excited for that. But I think that's what I love about the fans, that they literally willed this to happen. I don't think without social media and, of course, Comic-Con and the entire community of fans that this would have happened either. Because usually studios, particularly in the olden days, were very monolithic. 
you wouldn't be able to affect that kind of change uh, from a major studio. But I think I, you can't be naive either. They have to figure there, there is a currency, whether it be monetary or in goodwill or prestige, and also keeping a filmmaker within their fold, keeping the filmmaker happy, keep creating those long-term relationships, not necessarily or solely based on uh, financial return, but just that long, you know, you're in it for the long haul with this filmmaker. Sure. And you, you want to grow that DC audience too. You want to show the DC audience that you're listening to them. You're exactly right. And one of the reasons why I set out to write this book and some of the things that I learned as I was trying to tell the story of the movement is some of the early marketing campaigns that they did to raise awareness for the existence of the Snyder Cut were a little bit antiquated. They did a, a letter writing campaign that they sent to the studio or they would pick a day and they would flood the phone banks of just like asking to talk to the executives so that they could ask for the Snyder Cut. And I was like, that's quaint, guys, but you're all you're doing is being a nuisance. You know, like that's, you're just going to annoy them to the point where they're not going to want to do anything. So then they started to think bigger. And I really admire, like they, they hired a plane to fly over Burbank, you know, with a banner behind it that said, release the Snyder Cut. And whether anybody at Warner Brothers saw it or not, they got coverage, you know, they got press and it worked. And the two instances that really caught my eye and put me on the trail of telling this story was in San Diego for Comic-Con in 2019, they kind of took over the downtown area. I was walking past a bus station and they had paid for advertising to be in the bus station, you know, advertising the, the three and a half hour version of Justice League. And it had quotes from Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman, and had quotes from Zach. And I was like, that's pretty. And then so I kept going downtown by the convention center and I saw guys handing out Snyder Cut T-shirts and posters. And I thought, like, who are these guys? Like, who who is behind all this? Like, they're way more organized than any other fan base I've seen. And you're exactly right in that they utilize social media in a way that, you know, other people have not been able to figure out how to do it just yet. They also gave themselves one of the greatest slogans in advertising history. Just the idea of release the Snyder Cut became it's everywhere it's a prevalent you know part of our lexicon and people will use it as a joke you know release the fill in the blank you know to to call for something that you think you're never going to see and they did it like by accident they just they're not a group of organized you know uh marketers by any way shape or form they're just fans who wanted to see something right and that's really cool and it's funny too how we're interesting how certain directors have that kind of cachet in other words there are some names although I think if you were to say release the Tarantino cut, there may be more mainstream listeners out there that may know who that is in the movie world. But I just love the fact that Zack Snyder's name is synonymous. It It is the title of the movie. Yes. yes. I mean, now it's the Snyder cut. It's Justice League. But that's second to the Snyder cut, in my opinion, just the way. And we can't see this because we're we're on audio. But I love your T-shirt. It says release the Snyder cut. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about more of your interest in this, what you've written about it and, and what Cinema Blend, what kind of coverage you're, you have right now available in Cinema Blend. By the way, I was saying before we started recording this, I don't know how you keep up there's If you're a film fan, a, a movie junkie, you love entertainment in general. You have to go on to Cinema Blend and check this out. You just get lost for hours reading. I know you have an amazing team and you're the managing editor, so there's a lot there. But what does your coverage look like for the Snyder Cut and what are you working on going forward about this? Because it's still out there and it it's still generating a, a huge amount of interest. 
It really is. We tracked it every step of the way from the time Zach had to step away to the time that he got replaced by Joss Whedon and, and tracked it all the way through the push to get it released. This idea that it came to HBO Max was phenomenal. And we have obviously reviewed it and covered all the different scenes that come with it. The stuff that's coming after the fact, and you know how it goes with stories like this. They're, they're ever evolving. They're very fluid. You never quite know what the situation is. The idea of release the Snyder Cut has now transitioned into restore the Snyderverse, <laughs> which is another catchy mantra that, the, that they've adopted because they would like to see this movie is part three of a five-part story arc that Zach has talked about in public. And during the press for this movie, and he came on the Real Blend podcast and we were really happy to have him. And, and he talked about details that he wanted to put in the next couple of movies, which of course, Zach is a master marketer in and of himself, you know? So he knows how to tug at people's strings, you know, and, and, and get them excited about stories that he could potentially tell. One of the things that we've written about recently is just how difficult it is. You know, here he had a cut of a movie that was, by all accounts, 80% finished. You know, it needed special effects work, but he had the assemblage of it all together. And so for fans to ask for that to get released is difficult, but not impossible, right? Now they're asking for the, for the restoration by a studio of two additional films that these films, you know, they cost $250 million, $300 million. No, not by any stretch. And I, you know, I don't know a lot of industry executives who are sitting there with a, with a blank check waiting to hand it over. So we're trying to cover where this goes next. Where does this story sort of take us to? Because I think it says a lot about things that are really prevalent in our industry right now, which are these superhero comic book movies. You know, they, they are driving the industry to a large extent right now at most of the major studios. We are trying to cover the impact that it has on the um, increase in the streaming industry and how many people are looking to streaming in order to get deals done. Every week now, as theaters are starting to open up in more places, you're still seeing studios have to compromise between the day and date. You know, yes, we're going to put it in, the, in a theater, but for how long before it goes streaming? Because some audience members just don't feel comfortable going back to theaters just yet. And you, you can't fault them for that. You don't want to penalize them by keeping something out of their hands. So all of that I find to be really fascinating as our industry moves forward. It is. It's incredibly fascinating because I've noticed, too, we always talk about the theatrical window, meaning the time between when a film is released in theaters and then when it's available at home. But now I'm, I'm seeing that streaming services are doing windows of their own. In other words, if you want the movie right away, it's 30 bucks on, you know, like Disney premium or, but with HBO max, it's a little different. And when you have subscription based uh, services versus buying one movie at a time for a single price, it all gets very uh, convoluted in a way. I think maybe the most daunting challenge as consumers is how, when, where, and how much for everything we want to consume and release dates. Now, I mean, people are like, well, wait, when is this movie going to be released? And, and I think that that consumer confusion, I think as, as time goes on and people are in theater lobbies again, that'll be more clear. But for the streaming services, like we talked about at the top of the segment, with that unlimited bandwidth, it's like it gets really tough to know where things are. But passionate fans, as you know, they will find the Snyder Cut in all permutations anywhere they can. I think that's really the passion showing there. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if you have, you know, box sets available of all the different versions that it goes right back to the music you were talking about. You know, if an artist is going to repackage an album that you love, uh, you're going to pick it up. Same exact songs, but you're getting it because it comes with all this additional stuff. And to that end, I admire Zach in the way that he, but it's not like he's trying to take advantage of his fans, but um, you know, they will just come and support him essentially. I think it's the passion of both groups. It's the passion of the filmmaker, his team, the fans, their collective strength in getting this done, getting this movement, if you will, going. Uh, and it really is, it reminds me of the 60s with like a, you know, start a movement, you know, get out there and, you know, release the Snyder Cut. So it's really uh, quite amazing and speaks volumes as to the power of the collective voice, coupled with a filmmaker who's open to doing it. Look, if Zack Snyder didn't want to ever do a Snyder cut or anything. We wouldn't even be talking. Right. But I think it's that, as you say, he's a very good marketer. He kind of leaves open the door to create that hope. Then on top of it, you know, darn well, studios looking at this saying, wow, this is really something we've got an amazing opportunity here to build a fan base, create a franchise DC. It seems as always, whether you you agree with this or not, many people feel they've been playing catch up with Marvel. Sure. Of course. But now it just seems like DC is finding its voice by being kind of this edgy kind of different, very interesting uh, universe. I mean, and even Joker, which some would argue is not, you know, it's not a traditional comic book movie, but it is part of DC. So it's just creating now, I think, a really interesting identity for DC. I like where they're at right now. You know, in a way, they tried to force the connected universe because they saw Marvel doing it. And so, you know, Zack's movie, Batman vs. Superman, had to include Wonder Woman and it had to tease out, you know, Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg because they wanted a shared universe. But you're exactly right now. We're at a point where a director can come and pitch a one-off idea And it might be Todd Phillips saying, I have a Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that I want to make. It's not connected to anything else, but it's going to start here and end here. And that's it. You know, it makes a billion dollars and it wins a couple of Oscars. (laughs) So why not do that? I think more of that stuff is, is, is really, you know, the right way for them to go forward. One other thing about this movement that blew me away that I think speaks to a lot of what we're talking about here in the passion is that I didn't understand fully, but I, I get it now how these movies can connect a global audience. You know, it's not a lot of films that we speak of that reach out and talk to audiences from all corners of the globe. And some of it is the way that Zach approaches the material. And some of it's just the fact that it's the DC superheroes, you know, that that there's a guy in Indonesia and a guy in Topeka, Kansas, who can both see the same qualities in Superman, you know, that speak to them. And writing this book and and talking to the people in the movement really reminded me of that. And that was super refreshing and just really uh, solidified in me, again, the passion of the source material that comes with with these characters. That's fantastic. Tell us about your book. So the book is called Release the Snyder Cut. Um, Well, that's a great title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, it just rolls off the tongue. I love it. And I started writing it two and a half years ago because I was just enamored with the story. Like, I really was fascinated by, first off on the business side, everything that happened to Zach and everything that happened at Warner Brothers. You know, you never really see a director walk away from a blockbuster, you know, months before it's due to open. And he had to leave for a family tragedy. And it was a horrible situation. And everybody understood that. But then when it came out, the theatrical cut came out and it was a a monstrosity. You know, it's just like a Frankenstein monster of of all uh, too many cooks in the kitchen type thing. I was interested in telling that story. But I give I give my wife 
Michelle all the credit in the world because when I started to think that there was enough story here for a book, I told it to her of what I was interested in. And she said, you know, I get why that's interesting to you, but I don't really care about that. I'm a <laughs> casual fan. I want to know who these people are. Who are the people in this movement who are on social media every single day? Uh, why are why are they even doing this? You know, what's driving them forward? I said, all right, let me start asking a couple of questions and figure out who it was. And then I got really wrapped up in the individual stories of the movement. So the book sort of pairs both of those together. It tries to tell the industry side of, of everything that happened uh, in the superhero universe for DC, but then it goes on to tell all these fans uh, why they came to it and what they accomplished over the course of this, because they really accomplished some, some crazy things. And, you know, we were a month away from having to turn the manuscript in and um, Zach was able to announce that the cut was coming, which was, it blew my mind. It blew my mind because I had an open-ended kind of ending for it that basically said along the lines of like, if this ever happens someday, you know, 10 to 15 years from now, these are probably the people who helped make it happen sort of thing. I just wanted to get a snapshot of all this as it was happening. And then it ended up timing out with the, with the movie coming to HBO Max. So it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. That's incredible. Where, where can we get your book? Uh, anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, I send people to a, a website called bookshop.org. Uh, we'll find sort of an independent bookstore in your market. And if they're not carrying it, they can order it for you. So it's available anywhere. So How many out. versions are you going to have of your book? <laughs> One. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Where can we find you on all the social channels? I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. It's S-E-A-N underscore O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Um, the book has its own Twitter feed as well, too. It's at R-T-S-C book for release. It's not a cut book. Um, I'm at Cinema Blend every single day. You can follow at Cinema Blend. And uh, I know I'm on Instagram, but I don't use it that often. So I'm not even quite sure what my I'm in the same boat. I, yeah. I don't use it as much as I probably should. I probably That's should. Great. Yeah because it's a good outlet but yeah just look for me over there i'm, I'm pretty active on on twitter so well get ready for the deluge sean you're <laughs> gonna get a lot of people wanting this book reading the book and i'm sure there's a lot of uh, people that want to just discuss this because it's so much more than just a movie the snyder cut it, it just it says a lot about hollywood about the the marketplace as it's been affected by the pandemic, the acceleration of these different dynamic distribution models. And just, I think if this confluence of factors hadn't happened, we may not have a Snyder cut. Yeah, no, this is an unprecedented story. I've been doing this for over 20 years now at this point, and I've never seen anything like this at all, which is what prompted me to sit down and put it into book form for the first time. That's great. Thank you so much, Sean. Anytime. Anytime. 